Hello, welcome to Injury Prevention Podcasts. My name is Rod McClure. I'm editor of the BMJ Journal Injury Prevention, and each month I chat with a distinguished researcher or practitioner about areas of their interest. My guest today is Dr. Carl Bonanda from Karlstad University, Sweden. Carl is uh, Assistant Professor in Risk and Environmental Studies. Hello, Carl. Hey. It's been a while since we've chatted, probably Michigan last, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was Michigan. But you're not in Michigan now? No, no, no. Now I'm in, uh, back home in, uh, in Sweden, in uh, the city of Karlstad. I'm not sure, but probably not. I haven't been to Karlstad. I've, I've seen it uh, referred to on numerous occasions. Give me a bit of a sense of where that is then. Uh, it's uh, located uh, kind of in the middle of Sweden, uh, close to Norway, kind of north of Sweden's largest lake. So one of the largest lakes in Europe, I believe. And it's a pretty small city, about 100,000 people living in it. And it has a university about, with about, I think, 10,000 students or so. <laughs> Hopefully that's correct. Have you got a rural um, vista from where your university is or is it in the middle of the city? Oh, it's actually uh, kind of outside outside the city. Yes, it's a bit rural. Uh, so, but but no vistas, unfortunately. <laughs> I think I guess if you if you go up on the roof, you might be able to see the lake. Uh, but <laughs> no. So tell me, is this is today like any other day? Do you do you have a regular routine uh, every day at the office, or is every day different? Uh, I think every day is a little bit different. I'm not very structured. Uh, I usually go to work and then I try to figure out what to do for the day. Yeah. Uh, so, so most of my time is actually focused on research. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I spend about 80% of my time on research and maybe 20% on teaching. So I, I try to you know figure out what to, what to do during the day and whatever I feel like doing, uh, usually that doesn't correspond to what I have to do right now, which is an unfortunate characteristic that I have. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so so uh, what, what I'm doing right now is uh, today I'm going to try to do some data management for a project that we're just starting up. Uh, so I do some programming uh, some days and some days I write. Uh, so I try to vary that. So do you call yourself a data person or something else? Well, I, I think a data scientist would be a, a one way to characterize what I try to do. <laughs> um, so I like working with data. Yeah, I do. I think that's a very, very interesting. Uh, I enjoy that. Yeah. And the last time we chatted, I think it was around this new methodology you were using. Yeah. To, sure, do some data analysis, but it was with respect to a very applied problem. Yeah. So uh, I think we talked about the synthetic control method, which is uh, useful for evaluating interventions in quasi-experiments. So when you don't have a random assignment, uh, you might have to try to find other clever ways to to analyze the data. Uh, And the synthetic control method is uh, one way of analyzing the type of intervention you would typically see like if, if you have a, a state law where, where a state has implemented a new policy, like gun control intervention, or maybe uh, you know some, some other legislation, and you don't have a perfect control state, you can kind of combine different states into a weighted 
average or a, a, a synthetic control state uh, based on pre-intervention trends and other types of characteristics that you think are important for predicting future outcomes, say homicide rates, if you're looking at a, at, at a gun control law. Yeah, it's, you, it's hard isn't it, to ever imagine there could be a, a perfect control state if what yeah. you've taken is a natural community. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you create one. Yeah, yeah, you try at least. I mean, uh, I'm sure there, uh, you know, it doesn't always work, of course, uh, but yeah. hopefully it, it ends up being a little bit better than just using whatever state you find. <laughs> down, down the road, yeah. There used to be a um, quite a common method in epidemic community-based interventions is to find a community and then find another community and then look at the difference in change over time. Yeah. And uh, the other community might have been, for instance, a mining town and, and it shuts down. That's going to affect the outcome a lot more than your intervention. So mm-hmm. I can see your um, the importance of your, t- your, your technique there, but it's not particularly common, is it? You, you're one of the few who've actually done it in injury. Yeah, I think so. I think it's becoming more common. I know some some others who have started working with it since, mm. but uh, yeah, it's still still uh, not used that much in I think health research in general. Uh, so not only in injury, yeah. it's very common in economics for for some reason. But I think that's where it was developed, and economists are pretty used to trying to work with that type of methodology, like uh, quasi experiments. Mm. Uh, I think in in health and injury, we're more used to working with randomized experiments if we're doing anything <laughs> or or observational studies i guess but even that um that's worth exploring too i think and i'll try and get a bit specific in a minute once we've talked about the generalities but you linked health and injury prevention there together in one sentence whereas health quite clearly has worked on individual interventions for quite a long time but injury has tended to work on policy or community interventions by and large, hasn't it, which is a different kettle of fish. So to try and use the same methodology of a randomised controlled trial in injury has been a bit of an anomaly. Yeah. And in economics, they're more used to policy interventions and and social interventions, which are the more collected uh, aggregate yeah. intervention. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you... um. You have the freedom and, and luxury of being able to turn up to work before you decide what to do for the day uh, and then create your own, well, your in, own innovations as, as your thought patterns change. Um, how do you do that in the sense that where do your ideas come from? Oh, good question. Sometimes I don't know. I think most of my ideas come from talking to others like talking to you or talking to, to others who work with uh, like different policies or have different problems and they're interested in knowing like, does this policy work? Or uh, usually I'm, I'm kind of more spurred by actually when, when someone says that something works, okay, this, this is a great idea. This works. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll be like, mm, yeah. <laughs> I want to. Skeptic sets in. <laughs> So I think that's where some of my ideas come from. And then also I try to, uh, I guess, work on things that can actually be evaluated. Uh, so I try to figure out, is there a good method for, for uh, looking at this problem? Can I, can I uh, is there enough data so that we can evaluate this intervention yep. in, a, in a good way? But mostly from talking with others, yeah. Yeah, so the, the others pose a problem. And then you're actually doing your innovation around your methodology. With yeah, respect to respect. I think that's where, where, I, where I come in <laughs> to this. Do, do you think the, um, the data that you have available uh, is 
better than the data that uh, is available in other countries just because of the way you, you've got data systems organised? Do you think you're in a fortunate position there or are you still struggling? No, I think I am. I am probably in a fortunate position um, working from a Nordic country. So there are, there's a, a lot of good registered data mm. that we can link at the individual level because uh, we, we, we have uh, personal identification numbers for pretty much every everyone who lives in Sweden. Yep. Uh, and all of the registers, so I, I, at least almost all of them, have that link. So you could just link data. Of course, it, it, uh, you have to apply for ethical approval and it takes some time to actually get it done. But uh, it's definitely fortunate, I think, uh, compared to many other places. And, uh, and you've produced some tremendous advances in knowledge as a result of a a number of areas. You didn't mention road safety there in your list of things you explore. Is that because you don't tend to do it or because uh, you just didn't mention it? No, I just didn't mention it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in a lot of things. I think uh, I tend to, uh, like you noticed, I, I focus on the, maybe sometimes too much, I focus on the methodology uh, more than the specific topic. But I think road safety is definitely one of the areas I've worked with the most, I've also worked some some on different false interventions, uh, and right now I'm actually combining those. <laughs> uh, so we're looking at uh, we have a project where we're uh, looking at these um, community-based interventions or, or municipal interventions, if you will, uh, where about eighty Swedish municipalities have, sometime in the last decade, uh, distributed ice cleats. Uh, that you can kind of attach to regular footwear uh, to, to older adults living in their uh, municipality. And we're interested in knowing, you know, is that, is that a good idea? <laughs> uh, does that work uh, in terms of preventing ice-related uh, fall injuries? So that's an ongoing project uh, that, that we're working on, and we have some results from that. And how far are you on with the analysis of those results? So we we have done a couple of uh, studies. So we did a we did a an economic analysis, like a modeling mm -hmm. study, mm -hmm. uh, where we combined some data from it was a randomized trial on the effects of using ice cleats, and we had some pretty good data, I think, on variations in ice cleat use and attitudes towards ice cleats in different Swedish municipalities, and also cost data on how much these programs cost. So we tried to do uh, an economic model. Uh, hopefully, it was pretty realistic. <laughs> well, basically, we found uh, that uh, the interventions are so uh, cheap that you know it, they would basically they they would be cost effective even if they only like changed one per person's mind. I, that number is taken off the top of my head right now. But but it, it really <laughs> the the effect wouldn't have to be large for them to be cost effective. Right. Uh, but so what I want to know when what, I, what we're doing now is, of course, also looking at the actual results from these uh, 80 municipalities that have implemented the, uh, these programs. And that data is, this is one of the things that I think COVID has affected a little bit because we ordered that data about six months ago now, and I still haven't heard anything. <laughs> so, yes. so they're pr definitely prioritizing that type of statistics right now in, in terms of yes. COVID. So you've got students um, for about 20% of your time. What does that involve? Right now it involves uh, teaching at a public health uh, master's program at the University of Gothenburg, where I currently uh, have my position. Mm -hmm. 
And I teach evaluation methods at two health economics courses. So we have a health economics track at our master's in public health program. Right. Um, and uh, well, basically I teach the type of methods that I, that I tend to use. So quasi-experimental methods and evaluation and how to think about kind of causality in those situations. So these are students who are in public health and are being uh, encouraged to think this way. Where did you start your injury uh, career from? Was it right from the beginning or have you moved into this from somewhere? No, it was, uh, I, uh, I did my, actually my, my bachelor's in environmental science. <laughs> yeah. So it was a bit different. And uh, then I, I did my master's in a kind of mixed program between climate and safety and injury prevention, which was at Costa University. Right. And as a part of that program, I got more interested in that part than the environmental part. Uh, that was uh, it was really interesting to me that all of a sudden, from moving from a kind of a program and an approach that was basically only qualitative, moving towards looking at data and analyzing the epidemiology of injury and trying to figure out uh, how to prevent them, and and using using good data to do that was uh, I think more more interesting to me and it felt like okay this is some somewhere that i can maybe contribute <laughs> so that's where i got into it yeah and that's extremely relevant at the moment to some of the discussions i've been having recently around where does injury fit into the grand challenges that the world's coping with at the moment in yeah. context for example of climate change if you've moved from climate change to injury but do you think you could move back into climate change discussions to actually address the injury problem or do you think they're two separate but completely different concepts no i i i think i could probably but um basically i, I think i've forgotten almost everything i learned uh, about it so i don't know if i could contribute that much but yeah uh but yeah. but i mean definitely i think they they are related uh in some way and i think that's that was the general idea of that program and and they're still going strong <laughs> try to mix uh, environmental science and they call it risk management. Uh, mm -hmm. But I mean, it's uh, it has the injury component, definitely. And mm -hmm. trying to prevent accidents in general uh, from, from big to small. And of course that's, you know, related natural disasters, for instance, are, are of course uh, big causes of, of injury and, and uh, disease. Yeah. All right. So um, where would you go next? Do you think you've, clearly enjoying what you're doing. Is there something that you're really finding interesting about what you're doing that if you had your opportunities and you had your funding, you'd like to explore? Good question. I think uh, so far I've only been working on like these quasi-experimental studies where I look at interventions that others do. I would like to actually maybe uh, come up with a good idea on my own uh, mm -hmm. hopefully you know it's, at some point i will be able to do that and maybe actually do some good out there other than just uh, evaluating what others have done um but I, I i don't know exactly what that would be but i would like to work on like a, a large say randomized field study if you will uh in in, yeah. a, in a more community wide setting i think that would be a, a really interesting learning experience and it would also provide some good knowledge i think uh, if we can find some intervention that actually works but um so it's that would so be one thing yeah. difficult don't they I, but i i do think that they're cost-effective uh, studies but 
if you wanted to choose, uh, I'm taking let's this one off the top of my head too, a sample size for uh, the unit of analysis. Um, let's say you've got 22 communities, half of which the intervention went into. That's that's quite a large number of uh, communities you have to work with in a reasonably controlled way, isn't it? But and and it would be reasonably cumbersome. But the benefits of those sorts of studies would be huge, wouldn't they? Mm. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think that's unfortunately the end of our time. Um, oh, really? <laughs> time does fly, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, and it's probably the beginning of your day. Yeah, it is. Some productive work to do. And I hope I haven't stolen the most um, creative part of it. But uh, it's certainly been an enjoyable chat. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you. Thank you, Rod. And look forward to keep this conversation going. Cheers. I've been chatting today with Dr. Carl Bonanda from Carlstead University. For those of you wishing to learn more about some of the topics we've discussed, I would encourage you to visit the journal's website at injuryprevention.bmj.com, where you'll find several of the papers that we've been referring to. Remember, you can download injury prevention podcasts from your favourite platform or app where it appears uh, regularly on the first Thursday of each month.